What's up, everybody? You are tuned into The Elks Call with The Elks Herd. My name is Scout, a.k.a. The Rev from Section X. And I'm Catherine, a.k.a. Do You Even Elks? And today, our special guest is a football and hockey podcaster. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Jason of Puckin' Pigskin. Jason, how are you doing today? I am doing great. I uh, just finished my show about 45 minutes ago. I sat down just in time to talk to you guys and uh, catch the flames losing. So, <laughs> oh, no. oh, no. oh, yes. Oh, yes. For us here in Edmonton. I mean, um, so Puck and Pigskin, that airs on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Mountain, right? That is correct. That is correct. Awesome. So to our viewers, make sure you go check out his show on Wednesdays before ours for some great Canadian Albertan content. <laughs> uh, you can find our both of our shows, both Puck and Pigskin and The Elves Call on most podcast streaming services. So uh, definitely go give us... A, a like, a follow, a subscribe, and on our YouTube as well. Yeah, all the good things. Please, <laughs> we're begging. Uh, so today we have a stacked show today. First, we're going to do a first uh, little recap on that 2023 Heritage Classic at Commonwealth Stadium. The Battle of Alberta that resulted in a 5-2 Oilers win. Uh, so we're going to mix it up a little bit on your quarter by quarter. Yeah, it's... that's no longer a thing. The Elks are no longer playing. So we had to find other things to talk about. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and do that. And then we're also going to talk about a little bit of Elk speculation. Mm -hmm. And then the CFL semifinals, which are featuring your Stampeders, Jason. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, that is correct. Oh, we got a, I don't know if you can see, but... Uh... We had Luna on the show on my show last week, and now we got Cola here showing up here. Uh -huh. <laughs> Perfect. The dog, you probably can't see her. She's she's staying off camera like a good dog. Is she also Stampeders fan? <laughs> she is split between the Stampeders and Elks. Ah. <laughs> Depending on who's winning. Yes, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, okay, so after uh, we talk about the CFL semifinals. Uh, we're going to talk uh, talk about the fan forum, open it up, talk about our hot topics surrounding the Edmonton Elks, the CFL, and the sports world as a whole. And then, as you know, after the fan forum, we're going to give you an Edmonton sports update and interview our guest, Jason, in The More You Didn't Know. So be sure to blow up the herd chat with your questions and comments as we will read them during tonight's show. Yeah, so... Let's be gentle. Be gentle. Right, let's get right to it. I mean, first, let's talk about the Heritage Classic, which Scout already pointed out resulted on a 5-2 Oilers uh, win. Um, we were talking right before we went live and you mentioned that you uh, were not there personally. But what do you think of the game as a whole? Uh, I, I think the game itself, like the the presentation and and the idea of the Heritage Classic, uh, was pretty good. Uh, Edmonton did a good job. Of course, it's their second one they hosted, I believe. And uh, yeah, I think they did a great job. Uh, it came across really well on television. I'm not sure how it came across at the game, but uh, as for the game itself, uh, obviously the Flames were on the losing side, so not too happy about that. Although not too surprised either. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we did see, we have seen, well, both teams, you know, when I walked in there, I wasn't sure what to expect. Scout asked me, like, what do you think it's going to happen? And all I said is that I don't want to get my hopes up because yeah. I have been hurt enough by the Edmonton Oilers this season. So <laughs> and we're just starting. So. Yeah. Well, I'm, Jason, what did you think of the TV presentation? What, how did it look on TV? Uh, it looked really well. Uh, they did the the opening really well. Um, besides the flames coming out looking like Hicks, um, I think it was really well. <laughs> um, other than that, uh, well, obviously they didn't show that part during the game, but um, yeah, no, the the presentation was really good. I found it, it. You didn't really notice from watching the game that it was in a larger stadium and that, you know, just beyond the boards was really nothing until you get to the stands, but you don't really notice that when you're watching on TV. So uh, really good halftime performance or halftime performance <laughs> intermission performance. I'm not too bad at all. They sounded pretty good. And uh, I don't know how it sounded at the game, but it sounded pretty good on TV. Yeah. Um, I thought the audio was pretty good uh, for Nickelback. They did apparently have some technical issues where we missed out on, a potential photograph or a fourth oh, song. You know what? I was complaining about them only playing three songs. Yeah. It felt a little too quick, a little too rushed, but if what, there was some technical difficulties, that would explain it. Yeah. Which is hilarious considering that, you know, you weren't exactly thrilled about Nickelback going in <laughs> and I was the one that was excited and you were the one that was disappointed in the lack of songs. So uh, fantastic. Um, being there you in must- person. You must have got an extra song then at the stadium because I th- I think they only showed two on TV. Oh. Correct. They did. They only showed two on TV. As soon as it cut off, they did Rockstar. Oh, so oh did, nice. Okay. Yeah, so they did like the best song, right? As soon as they turned off uh, to commercial there. So rather, rather disappointing for the viewers at home. But I think the viewers were also supposed to get one more song mm-hmm. as well. And unfortunately, there was technical issues. So. Um, I'll, I'll quickly do my recap on the game. I We were trying for media passes. There, it was pretty competitive. We didn't have enough NHL content up on shotgunsportsnetwork.ca. So unfortunately, we didn't quite get media. We made lemons out of lemonade. I went down and I was able to catch the, uh, the walk-in for the Edmonton Oilers, or sorry, the drive-in. When they came in as oil workers, uh, the yeah, or- what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, at least they were not hicks. <laughs> yeah, Jason, what did you think of those outfits? Uh, I, I thought the Oilers outfits were pretty good, and actually, just a little fun fact for you, they actually got that full uh, get up and gear from the coverall shop in Red Deer here. So, yeah. no way, right on, look at that. The, the more you didn't know. Like the-, the more you didn't know, yeah. <laughs> I was in, in Red Deer. They, you know, why not Edmonton, though? I feel like they no. should have been no, extra because patriotic. <laughs> I think that's, there's a little bit of symbolism, right? We're going to go right to the heart of Alberta, right, <laughs> right between the two towns. We're going to go own. We're going to go be, get that battlefront right now, <laughs> and we're going to get the coveralls from Red Deer, and that's our good luck shot. You know, you I wouldn't doubt it if they did that. I mean, they, they're also probably a massive wholesaler down there, Jason. Probably. Yeah, not only that, but they have a partnership uh, with the Oilers uh, doing some charity stuff and all that kind of, yeah, so uh, I guess it was a no-brainer. Red Deer people, I don't know what 
they would you guys would call the red, yourselves red deerians red deerians <laughs> red deerians are forced to be oilers fans <laughs> just putting it out there <laughs> jason's like nope <laughs> No, no, not force, but yeah, they're, I'll be honest, the majority of fan hockey fans here are Oiler fans. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's smart of them. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a couple more Stanley Cups up north than there is down south, right? And I would say even Grey Cups as well. But in recent times, mm -hmm. the Stampeders have been beating down uh, the, the double E, unfortunately. Um, but. Unfortunately, moving right along, though, um, once again, the Battle of Alberta Commonwealth, uh, getting back to that, the environment was pretty crazy. Now, the lineups getting in, that was also crazy, but for different reasons. We waited around 20 minutes to 25 minutes waiting in security. We almost missed, um, like we walked in and got to our seats as the anthem was playing. So, yes. oh, okay. So we did not get, well, we didn't miss the game itself, but we definitely missed all of the entrances and yeah, this, all the pre-game festivities or whatever it is they did. Yeah, we, we actually missed out on quite a bit. And there was fan parks and fan fest. Yeah. They had uh, Cross from Rogers Place in that uh, festival area. They had a, a two-day fan fest celebrating it, which back in the day I probably would have went. Now, time is a little bit more valuable. I don't collect autographs as much as I used to. It's unfortunately something that has slipped away from me, but there was a lot of people that got a lot of great experiences out of this whole weekend. Now, we got in. Once we ended up getting in, we caught the we caught the anthem. And as soon as puck drop hit, I think the building was, was rather electric. It was buzzing. People were laughing. And I think for Catherine and I, we... We, we we barely actually watched the game. I know that's what I was gonna say. I'm so glad that I didn't have to have a period by period, you know, kind of recap here because <laughs> I did not watch a lot of that game. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, Tracy Ham and Eggs, uh, thank you very much. I will gladly grab that autograph. Shout out to everybody that is viewing, listening, watching, and Tracy Ham and Eggs in the herd chat. Um, yeah, there it is. I'll give you my autograph. Um, but yeah, no, uh, through, the, through the periods and the goals, right? Where the goals? Oh, yeah, that was tons of fun. It was tons and tons of fun. I mean, the funny part is that security was so strict and they were, you know, making people go away if they had plastic bags or taking their plastic bags away. But you had a whole lot of people walking in with some plastic Mickeys. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, all good fun. There was no rowdiness. There was no fights. Everybody was having a grand old time. But it's just that right everybody was having a grand old time so yeah that's yeah. good yeah we actually heard on the news this morning uh, we watched the edmonton news this morning and they were interviewing people because there was issues with wait wait times and the guy says i had to wait 20 minutes for popcorn i'm like big deal you have to wait 20 minutes for popcorn during a football game too yeah well exactly or other major events and it's great you're bringing this up because we're going to be bringing it up in the fan forum. We're going to be talking about Commonwealth Stadium and uh, maybe where there could be some renovations or improvements. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll dig into that later on. I mean, we did have, what did they say, about 54,000 or something? 51? Yeah, no, 54. Like yeah, it was around 54,000. 54, so, I mean, that in itself is a very, very major event. Yeah. Right? And I 
personally don't think that they were ready for it when they should have because they mm-hmm. sold the tickets. They knew. Well, I mean, so how long has it been since Commonwealth Stadium has held that many people for an event too? Well, but I guess concerts probably, right? Yeah, concerts they do. Now, where you see the biggest lineup for concerts is the merchandise lines. And yes, beer lines. However, it's smart to have cash on you. A lot of people were spending less time in beer lines with cash. So, yeah, yeah no, we're, we, we did, yeah, we're going to dig into this on the fan well, forum. There's a lot to talk about on yeah, this subject. Yeah, and on that merch topic, like I was there, um, we got in right as the anthem, yep. you know, started playing. And about halfway through the period, I was like, okay, this is my chance. I'm going to go get a drink. I'm going to go to the washroom. And it's not going to be so bad because we just started. <laughs> we just scored. Everybody wants to watch this. It's the middle of the period. And while I was going, so keep in mind that this is 10 minutes into the game. And the merch booths where the concessions are at Commonwealth were almost empty. They were completely sold out of toques. The only place that I could get any sort of good merchandise was in their their specific merch booth that had a lineup that was just never ending. But seriously, just right away, merch sold out. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's good in a way, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) They're making their money, that's for sure. And I mean, people are waiting and paying for it, but holy moly. Um, but yes, we'll revisit that during our fan forum as we're talking about those topics. So now I want to talk about the Edmonton Elks. Just talking, you know, in the season as a whole that we just saw, obviously they have quite a big checklist to solve some of the issues that you've seen. You know, as an outsider, as some, somebody that doesn't cheer for this team, what would you say would be their biggest uh, thing that they need to solve or address in that big checklist to make sure that we make it farther next uh, next season well being somebody that you know isn't an Alex fan and i mean i'll, I'll admit i maybe watched two two or three games this season so um i don't see a lot of big issues what i see is a lot a lot of smaller issues um kicking wasn't a huge issue uh faithful i think uh Faithful was 23 for 29, and his longest was 49. You know, however, two of three missed field goals were against the Riders in week five in a game they lost by a point. So they win that game, and, you know, that's a different story. So, uh, but not a not a major deal there. Um, Trey Ford looked good. Uh, Cornelius, uh, you know, he wasn't terrible. Um, I, I, I think... Maybe they need to address uh, the O-line. Uh, I think the O-line may be the biggest issue because Trey Ford is running for his life in, in the, you know, the few games that I saw. Um, now, the good thing is Ford was uh, pretty good at evading the, the, uh, the, the defense or the, yeah, the defense coming at him and uh, make, still making plays. So I think O-line is big. Um I think I don't. In what I saw, I don't think they gave Kevin Brown the ball enough. Uh, he, you know, in games where he struggled, he did. He wasn't getting the ball very often. So um, they say with running backs, usually the more you get the ball, uh, the better you you get as the game goes along. I mean, you're if you're not getting the ball that often, you're you're kind of cold throughout the game. So um, I think getting Trey Ford the ball a little more, uh, getting shoring up the O line a little bit more. 
And I think you guys got a good team there. I mean, the second half of the season, once Chris Jones finally figured out that Trey Ford can play and, uh, you know, you guys won four games out of the last uh, nine, I believe. So, like I said, not not huge problems, just a lot of smaller ones that they need to shore up. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Uh, O-line, like you said, O-line definitely is where that offense starts and ends. So Kevin Brown, sure, there was moments where they didn't give him the ball enough. At the same time, that O-line, something that we've talked about on on the Elks call quite a bit. The O-line failed to give Kevin Brown a chance in a lot of games. So there there was shining stars on that offensive line as a cohesive unit. Wasn't exactly the greatest. They were good in some weeks. They made an honor roll, PFF honor roll uh, status there a couple of times. So, yeah, I mean, they, 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 they did all right. There is more left to be desired with that offensive line. Defense, I think we're gonna have a little bit of shakeup in our in our in our secondary. Um, Niles Morgan, I mean, he did he did really well this year. He did the best that he possibly could, I believe. Uh, was injured very for for a little bit. Trey Ford, he's gonna be working his derriere off in the off season, I'm sure. So, yeah, they, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a year of gelling. They're gonna need to gel a little bit more same time uh, as far as the checklist we we have a kick returner now we have we we i'm pretty sure we have a, a punt and kick returner now yeah so, i believe you guys got a kick return for a touchdown for the first time in how long was it uh it was since 2015 or 2014 mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah like Eight i mean al- almost yeah almost 10 years as they say <laughs> so th- yeah, but you, you guys you guys probably don't remember, but I remember back in the day when you guys had Gizmo Williams and pretty much half the kick returns were touchdowns. <laughs> People have seen him recently. He's still in shape. Uh, to, why to is go... he not playing? Why is he not playing with us? Or at least, you know, coaching or, <laughs> you know, some... in the building with some sort of capacity, but some or another. Uh speaking so speaking of the bright spots, Catherine. We had some pretty big news in the awards category. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Edmonton Hawks definitely have all the building blocks, right? And we've talked about that before. They definitely have some really fantastic players. And one of them was Kai Gray. Uh, So he's the finalist for the most outstanding rookie West. So he was actually one of three rookies to make 18 starts this season. Uh, He played for Lincoln University, and he registered 56 total tackles and a pair of interceptions, one which he returned for a touchdown in Week 16. Uh, He had a four-pass touchdowns and one tackle for a loss as well. So definitely a fantastic um, addition to the team, definitely a fantastic player. Uh, Did you get a chance to watch Kai Gray play, and what were your thoughts? Well, I mean, like like I said, not being an Elks fan, I, I didn't watch a whole lot of games. And the games that I watch, uh, the name doesn't ring a bell. Um, I don't recall hearing his name during the games. But, uh, I mean, that good on you for having a finalist for uh, for one of the awards. Um, I think, Trey, you have, you have another finalist, don't you, for one of the awards? 
He was um, it just one? No, that was just the only one that we have as a finalist. I'm pretty we had sure. Some, I'll have to take a look. I'll have to had, take a look. They had some mentions, like honor roll mentions, and Trey Ford was one of them for the most outstanding Canadian. Oh, um, maybe that was it. Maybe that was it. He had a standing ovation. Uh, so he was not a finalist, but he was like a, you know, a person of honor or whatever you may call it. I don't know what they call it. They called it something. Uh, honorable, a, honorable mention. Yeah, honorable there you mention. Go. There you go. Yeah. So. Uh, the only finalist that we have is Kai Gray, but I think we did have quite a few. Uh, thank you. No worries. <laughs> uh, we did have quite a few uh, players that did make that honorable role. I think Jake Ceresna was part of that as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll go back and look. Uh, maybe I did miss it. Tra Tracy Ham and Eggs here. He did mention the receivers needed to be better. Too many drop balls. Um, it's a little. It, yeah, our interface is a little <laughs> bit uh, funny, but anyways, uh, too many drop balls and could have came back when the ball was faster. Could have came back to the ball faster when Ford was running for his life. Uh, yeah, so that's a very, very good point. Gino Lewis did do his thing. I, I definitely do not disagree with what Gino Lewis did. However, I don't think he was targeted enough. He did also have a couple of drops himself earlier on. Kyron Moore, he came out good, but th there was a percentage where he dropped balls. And that, that was a little bit frustrating to watch as well. Dylan Mitchell, he had a couple drops. He wasn't looking very good at the beginning of the season. A lot of these issues were at the beginning of the season when these guys were not that gelled or did not have much confidence. And especially... I'm going to disagree on that because we saw that ball security was an issue right up to the last. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think a lot of those issues, like you say, were resolved, right. You know, mid season, but there were still a few, I completely agree with Tracy Hammond Yeah. I mean, I, I saw a video just a couple of days ago of Manny Arsenault that he was um, training with his son. Right. And yeah. he, he yeah. of, you know, this boy needs to earn his, uh, <laughs> his um, screen time. And he had his son with the with the ball, right? And he was doing a whole bunch of drills. And you have Manny just trying to beat that ball out of him <laughs> with everything yeah. that he could. And all I said is like, I really hope that they start bringing some of those <laughs> drills here in Edmonton and make some of the players go through that because holy, do we need more ball security? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty. Yeah, I, I actually commented on that video. Uh, Manny Manny had a pretty good season, I think. Um, and uh, he's been on my show before, and I'm trying to get him on again. So we'll have him on again real soon here, hopefully. Oh, that's awesome. No, yeah. definitely let us know. We will share the heck out of it. And yeah, Manny Arsenal, absolutely hilarious to see him trying to get that ball out of his kid's hand. It's just absolutely <laughs> That's what hilarious. we need. That's what we need. We need more of that. We need somebody that is just hired to try to beat the balls out of the player's hands so that they learn a little bit more about that. But on, <laughs> yeah. on, the, on the topic of the Edmonton Elks, they have also released uh, Coney Ely yeah. line on Tuesday. He appeared in 21 games over the last two seasons, and he recorded 26 defensive tackles and six sacks. So... I think they 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 released him last week. Yeah, last yeah, Tuesday. Maybe, yeah, last Tuesday. But um, he, I thought he was mediocre. Once again, mediocre is not going to get this team into the playoffs and above that four win marker that we can't seem to 
above year in year out. You know, it was, we we tried to give the Stampeders a run for their money. We, there was a point, the TEC turning point in the <laughs> season for us was the bye week of changes. We almost had a chance to catch up with the Stampeders. Unfortunately, we did not get there. Coney Ely, he didn't really move the needle. He did do an all right job. Uh, six sacks. I mean, that's actually not bad. Twenty six defensive tackles. So he didn't. He didn't. Oh, that's over the last two seasons, right? Or the was yeah, those over stats? the last two seasons. Yeah, you, so you, little left, more left to be desired there with that kind of defensive line play. So, and I think we're gonna start seeing a lot more of this. You know, come in the off season, we'll see some transactions that. Yeah, well, I think. We might see some movement. We'll see. Real quick on this, Chris Jones did say that they aren't looking to do what they've done in the past few years with uh, past couple years, but really with this team past past few years, they're not looking to do the do the jumble again. They're not trying to mix it up. They're not trying to release a bunch of guys and do the big influx again. You're going to have jobbers come in. We're going to be seeing all the jobbers trying to come in to once again be the next Dylan Mitchell or uh Deontes Alexander or mm-hmm. one of those guys, right? So um and especially as the roles are becoming a lot more clear, less jobs. The competition, it's always great to have that in training camp, but uh like I mean we still got Grey Cup coming up. So we can't even we can't even talk about that stuff yet. We're just, <laughs> Not yet. Not let's, just let's just move right let's just move right along. Um uh yeah okay so the one of the very last topics that I want to talk, and I'm not sure if you heard this or if you saw this, um, it happened yesterday. Uh, there was a rumor going around at the, about the takeover of the presidency role for the Edmonton Elks. Uh, it broke yesterday, and it was just as quickly discredited. Uh, the rumor was that Neil Lums- Lumsden, um, he was that he was joining as president of the Double E. Turns out that that is not true. <laughs> And fake news, <laughs> fake news, bad news. So, I mean, as a, as a member of the ever growing niche of fan sided media, how important is it to you to report only known facts? Like, clearly, that was a big one. That was a big whoopsie by whoever, you know, put that out there to just as quickly show that that was not true. Who, who actually put that out there? Did, was it actually like a, a media source? So from everything that I had seen on this, Three Down Nation was one of the first people to put this up. Edmonton Journal had put it up. Um, of course, CFL News Hub and all of those other guys that kind of go along with all the other media sources and three down nation. They're generally a reputable source. Yeah. They're necessarily the ones that broke it, but this was something that actually had no legs whatsoever. There was no legs to this one. Nobody really knows where it came from. Nobody knows what the source was. All we know is that a couple of reputable sources started reporting it. So um, yeah, I mean, like what's your opinion on this? Yeah, I mean that's that, that's kind of a big blunder and like you said 3 Down Nation is a pretty reputable source and I'd be willing to bet that they got that from someone they thought was a reputable source and the thing about media is once one source gets it and and puts it out there everybody follows along so I mean you can't I, I wouldn't blame 3 Down Nation for it but uh I mean Neil Umston wouldn't be a bad choice <laughs> right? <laughs> 
No, no, I, I think he'd be a fantastic choice. I would love to see him as president of the double E. Same time, he's got a role in the Senate right now, I believe. Yes. I'm oh, okay. He's in Ottawa yeah, right he's, now as a member of the Senate, for sure. Yeah, somebody, some media in Ottawa asked him or, you know, somebody in Parliament or whatever ended up asking him um, if he was interested in the role. And he immediately said he wasn't interested and that he had no contact with anybody. So... Uh, then where did that come from? Yeah, the the media <laughs> media should, like you know went in and did a reinvestigation on the matter and figured out that uh, this was not a real story or you know this was a giant nothing burger. You know what that reminds <laughs> me of? I'm not sure. Well, in in here in Edmonton, we have quite a few Oilers fans groups, and a lot, especially on Facebook. This is Facebook. And a lot of the things that have happened recently in a lot of these groups is a lot of clickbait. A lot of absolutely mean nothing, whatever you just called it, articles. Nothing burgers, <laughs> Nothing yeah. burger articles, yeah. right? Just plain clickbait with the right title that is meant to get monetization in some way by clicking on their page. Well, now, not saying that that's the case with Three Donation, not at all. But whoever brought those <laughs> that news <clears throat> light out of nowhere... Yeah, like it reminds me of that. It's just clickbait at that point. Yeah, once once again, I mean, we we have no idea who originally came up with the rumor, mm-hmm. and it, like we said, in a lot of these cases, a lot of us, including ShotgunSportsNetwork.ca, we try to report uh, up to date news as well. We do the best that we can to check our sources as well. And mm-hmm. hey, that's where this happened. That that's that's media and that's news. However, with something that big, when we're talking about something that but like a hundred, like tens of thousands, if not a, over a hundred thousand fans are looking at it. And then when you talk about the CFL community, you know, you could have upwards to, you know, a million and over fans when you're talking about something that big. Yes. I, I would want to make sure that my sources are 100%. So it sucks that that happened. That being said, Farhan Lalji is actually reported. Not only did he report that it's not going to happen. <laughs> Farhan also reported that, the Edmonton Elks may be considering private ownership versus community ownership and that mm-hmm. Rick Lawlisher would be interested in staying on board to see that process through. So what do you think, Jason? Is this the right move? Oh, my goodness. Oh, by the way, real quick, real quick, Tracy Hammonegg won the World Series. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Breaking news on the show. <laughs> Texas Rangers World Series. Hey, champion. that's that's fine. Give me your thoughts on that. Are you a baseball fan? <laughs> uh, I'm a Ra- I'm a I'm not a Rangers fan. I'm a Blue Jays fan. So yeah. this don't matter. Yeah, this don't matter at all. I was I was I was cheering D-backs because I like a good underdog. <laughs> yeah, like uh, I I really was uh, gonna be stumped on the question you asked me about uh, Lawlisher and uh, Lawlisher. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea who that is. Never heard of him. So, no, but, I mean, <laughs> but what I was saying was private ownership versus community. Ownership. Oh yeah, yeah. So like you guys, the Sam Peters, uh, the Calgary Flames. You guys are in a in a in a business together, Calgary Sports and Entertainment Group. Uh, I be- I believe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what do you think? Would you do you think that the double E the Edmonton Elks should consider going to private ownership and having a having a small ownership group, just like the Edmonton Oilers back in the day. 
I myself have, have always been a big fan of community ownership. Um, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have been owned by the community for a long time. And as you know, they're one of the biggest brands out there. So I think that being community owned has its benefits. Um, you know, I mean, they're, they're among the top merchandise sales out there. They're, you know, you see rider fans everywhere. Now, that's not necessarily got anything to do with the community ownership versus the private ownership. But, you know, you get the private owners who come in and they, you know, not necessarily making decisions uh, that are the best for the team. So I think when you have the community who is paying all the money for getting their butts in the seats, um, it, you know, you get them involved and suddenly things get a little more interesting. I agree. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more, what is it? Is it the Oilers entertainment group that we have here? OEG. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I've, I've seen the way that they have operated in the past few years with the Oilers and Rogers arena in general. And I personally don't think that would be the right move if that particular group bought it. Um, the thing with the community ownership, however, is that as you say, it's up to the community. And right now, unfortunately, the Edmonton Elks is not, they're not providing the product that the community wants to pay for those tickets, right? So exactly. what do you do at that point, right? So if I think that we had somebody coming in, a private uh, investor, owner, that truly had love and passion for the team that everybody knew, then I think that would make the world of a difference. So as long as it's not a giant you know, entertainment group that just wants to charge an arm and a leg for concession items and instead somebody that actually truly cares for the team. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think if you were to have like a, a group of, of former Eskimos, double E alumni in there, um, potentially a healthy mix of that and, Edmonton entrepreneurs and businessmen that love that team and really want to pour their love into it. Kind of like a Braley back in the, but Braley was a big CFL guy, Dave Braley. Um, rest in peace. But we kind of need somebody. If you're going to have an ownership group, you take a look at the Doman over, or over in BC. He's done an yeah. absolutely amazing job. Right. And yeah. he's, he's brought the fans back. He's opened up that upper bowl multiple times now since he's mm -hmm. gotten, that ownership and the BC lines, they were kind of in a similar, similar situation as well. And Rick Lawlisher did indeed see them through that process uh, as well. So if there is a guy to see uh, an ownership or to see a, an ownership change from community to private, Rick Lawlisher is definitely a great guy to do that. So it's, it's, it, it's tough to say. I, I personally would prefer if we could keep the community ownership aspect of it and Yes, yeah, we're the city of Edmonton. We live here in the city of Edmonton. Mm -hmm. We care about this team. We want to see the buds back in the seats. And now there is a there is a bit of a thing going on right now with the fans in community versus city ownership. Like, what? who actually owns it? Does the city own it or does the community own it? So that's something to talk about on a future Elks Call episode <laughs> of season here. But, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll leave that one at that. Yeah. Uh, before we get to the fan forum, let's talk about the CFL playoff picture real quick. Yeah. Calgary at BC. What do you got? 
Um, I got Calgary winning that one. I mean, we went in and we spanked the Lions two weeks ago. Um, so we we've had a lot. Our season basically came down to some injuries, uh, some drop passes, and I think that the now that it's playoff football, we have have a lot of those injury injured players back. And uh, now that it's playoff football, I think that guys are going to be catching the ball. Hopefully, you know, it's for real now. So <laughs> I think we're actually going to beat BC. I mean, we, they, we certainly can't use weather as a, as a excuse this week. So <laughs> no, 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 you cannot. Um, Calgary at BC. I want to, I want to say BC has it. That Calgary game where they flopped a little bit, it's tough to say. They were actually playing for something, so they did need to win against Calgary to potentially get the first uh, first round by. However, maybe they recognized that Winnipeg was going to absolutely dominate the Edmonton Elks and that <laughs> they probably weren't going to get it anyways. I don't know what the tiebreaker looked like. Maybe if they would have won, maybe they would have won via tiebreaker. I really don't know. I would have liked to think that BC was playing for something Calgary came in. Calgary played a really good game. So finally, yeah, like I don't, I don't want to take Calgary, right? So I'll say BC for the argument. I'll say BC by a field goal. Yeah. Well, I think I'm gonna go for BC as well. And I mean, the reason is that they're definitely gonna be hungry for it, right? And the other reason is that they were playing at BC when they absolutely got dominated by Calgary. They were away, correct? If I'm not. That was that was in Calgary. Right? Yeah, that game was in Calgary. And now they're having a home game. They're going to be absolutely hungry after getting absolutely obliterated by Calgary. So I think they have a point to prove. Yeah. And um, yeah, I I think it's going to be BC. Maybe not by much, to be honest. I got I, I yeah I want to say maybe by a touchdown as well. You're going to say touchdown. Not a field goal. A touch Calgary's goal. coming in as the underdog, so I mean they got nothing yeah. to lose. There's no pressure no, on Calgary. They're hungry too, so that's why I don't say I say not by much. It's going to be close. It's going to be competitive. I think. Yes, and then Tracy Hamanag said Lions by eighteen. Throwing the throwing the name in the hat. We're not betting on this though. No, <laughs> no, no bets, no bets. We do not have a sports book sponsorship to support this, and I don't think our fans will let us. Um, we'll, get, <laughs> we'll get suspended for 41 games if, we, <laughs> if you know you know uh, so Hamilton at Montreal what do you think of that one uh, Hamilton and Montreal is going to come down to quarterbacks I think um, Hamilton of course uh, Orlando Steinhauer uh, has come out and uh, openly said that both quarterbacks will play in the game and so it's going to come down to um, how well they perform. They, they've been shaky throughout the season. Um, and as you know, Cody Fajardo has been pretty solid in Montreal. So, But um, as Elks fans, uh, you know that Fajardo has uh, failed in the past uh, playing for the Riders uh, in the West, uh, fi- West uh, Final, I believe. So... He was made the scapegoat pretty much in Saskatchewan, so he's got something to prove in the playoffs, and I think that he's going to pull it out. I think uh, Montreal is going to pull that one out. 
Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. I do believe that Montreal is going to beat Hamilton. Hamilton has already came out today saying that they're going to be playing both Schultz and Bo Levi Mitchell. Do I think that the tandem is really going to save Hamilton? No, I don't. I do believe that Cody Fajardo is going to come in, play rock steady with the combination of Stanback. Stanback isn't injured or anything, right? I don't think so. I don't think so. So the, they're they're relatively healthy over there in Montreal. You got Mondo Sewell still in there. Yeah, I mean, Mont- Montreal looks like a pretty solid team. Do I see Montreal beating Toronto if they do make it through? Well, that's something that we're going to talk about on the next <laughs> one. For now, focusing on this game, Montreal-Hamilton. And, th- and that game, is it in Hamilton or Montreal? That game is in Hamilton, I believe. Oh, okay, yeah. So there you go. So, yeah, Montreal in Hamilton. Um, yeah. yeah, even in Hamilton, I do think Montreal still got that. Actually, that's, that's a really good question. Let me just look. I, I th- I'm pretty sure it is. It is in Montreal. I am wrong. Okay, okay, okay. So we did we good. Okay, we had our stats right. Yeah, I thought. <laughs> yeah, no, because that wouldn't make sense. Um, I'm pretty sure Hamilton. Yeah, they were they were they were trying to stay in the race last time I checked. So, yeah. and then you know, once again, it being in Montreal, yeah, I don't see Hamilton uh, coming back and winning that one. So. It'll be a good game. I, I would say Montreal is going to win by like two touchdowns, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have Montreal as well. Nice. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's just as simple as that. I don't know by how much. I don't know. I don't like putting numbers out there. As much as I would like to see Bo Levi win being an ex Stampeder, and I really like Bo Levi, but I don't know. I just. Ever since uh, the injury in Calgary and we got rid of him, he's just hasn't been the same. No, he hasn't. And I think it's, it's, it's interesting to see a quarterback like him go out of his old system because when you see that, uh, you see how he's playing over there in Hamilton. Obviously, he got injured right off the top. Yeah. Uh, but he, like you said, he still hasn't – he just hasn't looked the same. And then even his last year in Calgary doing the, you know, kind of – Kind of doing the nod, nod in the salute and saying bye and everything else. He was he didn't really look the greatest that year. I think he had one game where he looked like classic Bo Levi. And <laughs> any any and, guy, and, in that, and in that game, I believe he was playing on a broken leg. <laughs> yes, I do believe so. Yeah, that would be the game. Yeah, and and when you put the term classic on somebody in their career. You're now the old guy in the room, and Bo Levi's kind of hit that point, unfortunately. <laughs> He's the old guy. Yeah. Um, all right. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to open up the fan forum. So, this is called the fan forum, where we're going to talk about some hot topics surrounding the Edmonton Elks, the CFL, and the sports world as a whole. Our live listeners will get to chime in on each topic we discuss. Make sure you comment in the herd chat as we ask each question and we'll look at the chat right after we have answered. So let's hit right. Let's head right into it. This is a hockey question. You're going to like this one, Jason, because you've probably seen this all over the news. You're not going to like it for the reasons. Obviously we may like it for the, for the preventative reasons that came out of this incident. So, Former NHL player Adam Johnson was fatally injured 
in what some are calling a freak accident. Rest in peace, Adam Johnson. Horrible, tragic incident. We send our condolences to his family, friends, and the organizations he worked for. So this freak accident happened involving another player, Matt Petgrave, and his foot slash Adam's neck. This has prompted sports leagues to make neck protectors mandatory so that no player has a chance of going through a similar fate. Do you have thoughts on the injury and should the NHL make this type of protection mandatory? What do you think, Jason? Uh, I've seen the video many times. Um, it definitely looked accidental to me, obviously. Um, I, there's been a lot of hate towards Petgrave I've seen and uh, people thinking that it was perhaps intentional. Did, definitely didn't look intentional to me. Uh, his his leg gets clipped, and which incidentally kicked it up into the air. Um, so definitely an accidental play to me in my eyes. Um, I do think the NHL should make neck guards mandatory. Although in the back of my mind, I still also think, you know, a neck guard only covers, you know, it's a, it's like a, literally a couple inches. I mean, and you're talking about a skate blade. A neck, neck guard may cover, you know, that couple inches, but I mean, you, you're still vulnerable, vulnerable, you know, pretty much outside of that. So it definitely will cut down the amount of injuries and probably the severity of them. Totally. Yeah, that's kind of what I think, right? It's the, the fatal points, right? I mean, if you yeah. get any nerve or the jugular or anything like that, you're a goner. But if you perhaps get a skate to the cheek, I mean, you will need reconstructive surgery, but chances are you will survive. So, and I mean, it's, I think it's only happened a handful of times, right? Clint Malarchuk being the biggest one. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that was way back in the 80s, I believe. Yeah, no, it, it, it's something that basically happens once or twice every 10 years. Um, maybe, you know, maybe technically every five years if you include Beer League and anywhere else this may happen, but doesn't happen as often as you may think. Yeah, the injury itself, it, it, it truly does look like a freak accident. I don't think anybody wakes up and has any sort of intent to hurt anybody or specifically to fatally injure somebody. So I, I, I don't believe that Petgrave meant to do that by any means. I, I, I really don't know in that scenario what you do, right? I... I've played hockey. I've never personally went through anything like that. I've never personally seen it. I also have never played at an extremely high competitive level. So but sometimes you never know, right? I mean, that's why they call it a freak accident. I mean, I keep thinking back on last year, the accident that Evander Kane of the Edmonton Oilers had yeah. his hand, right? And I mean, now you're talking about a hand, something that technically they have protection. Technically they have their gloves, but yet, you know, it was one of those that it, it just, it was an accident. It happened. They didn't know that it was going to happen. And then suddenly it was just an emergency, right? So I don't think we can be fully prepared for freak accidents like that. But adding a neck protector, I think, just adds a little bit of extra security there just in case. Well, and, and just just to add to this. What we're starting to see now, like the AHL, I believe the uh, no, the WHL today announced that it is now mandatory that you have to wear a neck guard. But 
What I think is interesting is companies such as I believe TJ Oshie is involved with a company that is making full body Kevlar that's breathable, but minimizes cuts anywhere on your body that this this uh, that this shell covers this protective suit covers. So um, I think that that's going to be the future of of the sport. I do think that the NHL should make. It's tough to say, actually. I don't know if the NHL should make it mandatory. I do think it should be heavily encouraged for sure. Now that leagues are starting to make it mandatory, you may see this stay in the under-18 category or your junior categories or, you know, maybe potentially minor leagues, maybe the ECHL where things are a bit more rough and tough um, or the AHL, anything that's associated with the NHL. The NHL themselves may not because you're going to see complaints from hockey players. Uh, we were listening Edmonton Sports Talk, the 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 network that we are also featured on on Friday nights at eight o'clock. On Edmonton Sports Talk, Joaquin Gage was talking about the neck protector, and he said he didn't wear it because it was uncomfortable, looked goofy. It was just one of those things. It was just it's not cool to wear a neck protector. Well, now we're seeing extremely major injuries like this happen and eventually you know if something like this happens within the next couple of years it will become mandatory mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know there, there's everybody's basically got one more chance well <laughs> this is a freak accident this is something that just happens in the sports so uh, once again the evander kane incident now this is two slicing incidents major slicing incidents within the last couple of years and there has been other ones as well but let, let's say with the Sidney Crosby, remember the Sidney Crosby slashing incident, Jason? The, no, I don't think I do. Sidney Crosby ended up slashing. I I want to say he slashed somebody's hand. Uh, was it Mark Mathot? I forget exactly which player it was, but basically he ended up taking a slash that, like he it ended up destroying his finger and he had to go get it all stitched up and it broke it and, Basically, Slash obliterated a finger. And after that, slashing penalties now are something as light as a tap to the tap to the without any sort of force behind it is now a slashing penalty. Yeah. So, you know, same thing to avoid injury. Well, but I mean, now taking it away a little bit from the NHL, right? Now you're talking about sports and there's always going to be the chance of a freak injury or an accident happening in sports. I mean, what happened last year in the... Um, NFL. Yes, yeah. the Demar right, Hamlin. Yeah. Exactly right, and I mean sometimes it doesn't matter how much protection you have in terms of equipment; it may not necessarily be enough, right? And at what point do you start taking away from the sport itself for the sake of safety, especially in matters such as freak accidents that you're talking one in a thousand, one in a million, whatever it may be. Well, and I, I think what's also interesting about this is you have to look at how technology has changed over the years. So skate blades, somebody had mentioned skate blades and how they are so extremely sharp now to the point where it can cut you and you don't feel it. All of these crazy, uh, all of these crazy cut types they get on their blades whenever you get your blade sharpened, you can get a custom custom cut, right? Or a custom sharpened, so a uh, form or whatever. And because of those kind of technologies, now we're, we're increasing the danger of the sport. Mm-hmm. So 
as you make the sport a little bit more dangerous, you do have to come up with those safeties. So I, I, I don't know. At that point, I would say ban that. Like, geez, just, just you know, sharpen your skates normally. Like, why do you have to have a fucking, uh, sorry, a weapon? <laughs> that was good. That was good. You're just- and, and this is coming, and this is coming from an, this is coming from an Oilers fan who cheers for one, you know, a player who is pretty much the best on his skates in the league right now. I mean, yeah, but yeah. like, why do you have to have a weapon in your feet, right? They're skates. I mean, chances are the skates that we have haven't been sharpened in two years and we can still skate on them. Like, you don't have to have something that is going to kill a person just by touching them, right? And I think <laughs> if, if there's anything that people should do is perhaps ban that before we start adding more to Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's interesting. Um, that's very interesting in its own. There, It is something that has been talked about and it is something that's in the works. So I, I really don't know which direction this is going to go. But bottom line, should the NHL make the protection mandatory? No. Should they make it extremely recommended and should they promote other leagues doing it? Yeah. And, and, and in juniors, what do you think about juniors, Jason? Well, juniors especially, I... I... I thought that juniors were already mandatory to have net guards before. I may be wrong because I know in juniors, I believe you're, it's also mandatory to wear a face shield, is it not? Uh, yes, it is. So WHL, though, just made it mandatory to wear, mm-hmm. to wear net guards. Okay. So okay. WHL, it was not, right? Which, that's once again, that's, that's the closest to the NHL you're going to get at that age. Right. Yeah. So I... Th- once again, that's your highest, most competitive league as well for Western Canada. Anyways, it's part of the CHL, but yeah, yeah, it, 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 it it's interesting. I do think that yeah, in the juniors, we should be making that mandatory. Once again, in the professional sense, in the in, in the pro leagues, Catherine, you had mentioned it, taking away from the sport a bit. Sure. We're only going to see so many of these incidents, though, before mm-hmm. it may become mandatory. And it's not like it's a big, cumbersome piece of equipment either. No, no it's a, it's a little strap around your neck when you're sweating. I can see how it gets uncomfortable, but there's there's also Kevlar turtleneck that you can wear as well that will give you some extra protection against that. It may it may not. At least it would soften the blow. I don't know exactly how it it would hold up to the skate blades, but Anything is better than nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So for our second fan forum topic, the Heritage Classic, it's come and gone. And with another 50,000 plus fans crowding the halls of the near 50-year-old Commonwealth Stadium, we saw a little bit of crowding at the Heritage Classic. So while the stadium is great for its large events, it's an, it's an aged venue, and when full, it becomes crowded as its original concourses are intended for the 42,000 fans that it was built for. So should the city consider renovating Commonwealth Stadium, including improved crowd control measures? Well, the... We've been, I've been to a lot of football games in Edmonton. Uh, Commonwealth is one of my favorite stadiums in the league, although I haven't been to a lot of them. Uh, and I found it hard to believe that there were such issues because Commonwealth Stadium has a 
I thought a pretty good free-flowing concourse that goes around the entire stadium, if I'm not mistaken. There's plenty of exits. There's plenty of bathrooms. There's plenty of concessions. So I wasn't sure where exactly the big issue would be with the larger crowds. Now, that being said, I've never been there when there's been a large crowd there either. So um, it may just be a size thing, right, where you, there's just not enough floor area for the people. So I think definitely uh, upgrades are needed there. Um, I, you know, Commonwealth is a nice stadium, and I think uh, upgrades to the existing Commonwealth Stadium far outweigh the, the building of a new stadium, if that's even in the conversation. Totally. No. Uh, so building a new stadium is in the conversation. They're looking at downgrading. Um, they're not looking at downgrading soon. We're talking about something that may happen. Um, I don't know, in around 10 to 15 years, maybe. Okay. That's, oh, okay. That's not so bad. I was thinking like two years. <laughs> no, no, no. To take down Commonwealth Stadium when it's still a relatively functioning building. It, it, yeah. it functions very well. It's, it's a great building. Plumbing needs upgrades. There's a lot of things that could be upgraded at Commonwealth Stadium. Parking. <laughs> Parking. I mean, the lots surrounding are great. However, the lots surrounding aren't available for use during during events, except for if you're tailgating or if you have a parking stall. So uh, very, very tough. But what we found is that, yeah, th those big concourses in a major event between the beer lineups, like, yeah, we have a, we have a lot of beer lineups there. Concession, and it's health food. And food the, is bad. Yeah, and the, and the way that they drag out to where the people are walking, they're, they're, you're, you're walking into the lineups, which is extremely painful. So uh, this past weekend at the Heritage Classic, there was other ways to get around. Would it be cool to see them open up? some lanes outside where you have to step down, which they had all of these blocked off for television and uh, VIP entrances and everything else. They had all of these areas all tarped off, around, uh, fenced off around. And I walked down and I asked if I could walk around and they said no. And I'm like, well, this, this, is, this is open space and you guys have one or two security people just standing in the middle of it not letting people use it so it that part of it didn't make sense and they i recognized where we could have used that space to probably get around the building a little bit easier but uh that being said renovations yes i would love to see renovations uh, in, uh improved crowd control measures i think there is some things that they could do uh lineups maybe having some uh, uh banisters up or some barricades up sorry to control the lineups and to not have them in the middle of everybody's yeah. walking space, right? Because it, it's it really is the beer lines that are one of the worst parts of that. So they're able to work a couple of those things. I think the experience would be a lot better. And then, yeah, like a renovation to get it past these next 15 years, maybe 20. I'd love to hold on to this building, but <laughs> yeah, I personally, well, I don't know about the concourse. I think sure there could be some improvements but that's not where my biggest um issue is when it comes to large crowds my biggest issue is getting in to the stadium whenever you're you know when you have a big event with thousands of people going in uh you're standing in there for at least half an hour outside mm -hmm. trying to get in 
right? So um, I understand that this was an event that was not by Commonwealth. It wasn't by the city that were doing it. It was um, outside. It was it was a Ticketmaster that was doing all of the tickets and NHL secure, NHL security, and it was just I don't think they had enough people. They did not have enough you know, areas for security. They did not have enough people looking uh, for the tickets, scanning the tickets. And Metal it just, detectors. It, it was just not enough. When you have over 50,000 people trying to get into your stadium, you need to have enough people to manage that. Yeah. And, I mean, we saw the same thing when we went last year to the Canada versus Mexico game, uh, soccer game. Same thing, thousands of people, the lineups you know, went forever and it took absolutely forever to go in by the time that you had already missed half of the per first period. Yeah. Right. And that's unless you tell people, <clears throat> you know, make sure you plan for this and come to the stadium two hours ahead of time, which not everybody wants to do, then have better um, methods or have just a better system just to get into the stadium. Yeah. Yeah, see, and I thought uh, we went, the first time we went to Roger's Place to watch a hockey game, um, I thought the same thing at Roger's Place. I thought, it seems to me there's only one, you know, entrance in where one, uh, you know, one set of gates on the way in. And uh, that seemed really crazy to me because we were in line for probably a good 25 minutes, 25, 30 minutes to get into the game. And uh, it seems that like, odd that they didn't have more entrance points but i don't know uh, I think i'm no crowd control expert <laughs> at commonwealth they have lots of entrances they just don't have enough people yeah i think managing that yeah well and i mean they're, they're just not used to hosting fifty thousand anymore so when it does yeah. have it's you know they're, they're used to the 30 to 40s now mostly 30s even 25s for the edmonton elks game and like you said the concourse never really feels that bad in those games I've I've been there for the forty thousands. It starts to get crowded in there after the West Final, uh, twenty fifteen. It was absolutely slammed out in the concourse with everybody celebrating and everything else, and kind of similar to like how Rexall was back in the day. Rexall plays back in the day very crowded, very dingy. Mm -hmm. It feels, yeah. feels dark, feels mm -hmm. concrete. You feel <laughs> like you're in a, in a concrete. Uh, hole there a little bit and yeah it, commonwealth has the nice raised kind of like the kind of like the saddle dome now <laughs> yes yes i yeah. like it yeah and leaving it on a calgary saddle dome joke we're gonna go ahead and close <laughs> the fan forum so thank you so much everybody for tuning in to another lovely fan forum that was a good one we're running a little bit longer today so thank you very much for continuing to tune in. And thank you, Jason, for your time. No worries. Uh, we are going to give everybody here an Edmonton sports update. <laughs> Today's update is brought to you by Hurdy's. Thank you to the 500-plus fans that visited Lot A, Stall 44, this CFL season. Stay locked to the Elks Herd social media accounts for surprise Herdies pop-ups in the off-season that Kathy doesn't know about. Herdies, <laughs> we smoke the meats. The CFL semifinals are this weekend. The BC Lions are hosting the Calgary Stampeders, while the Montreal Alouettes are hosting the Hamilton Tiger Cats.
In the NHL, the Edmonton Oilers defeated the Calgary Flames on Sunday in the Heritage Classic by a score of 5-2-2. In the WHL, the Oil Kings are on a homestand this weekend at Rogers Place. They host the Moose Jaw Warriors on Friday and then the Medicine Hat Tigers on Sunday. And in Canada West U Sports, the University of Alberta Golden Bears football team are hosting the Saskatchewan Huskies in Hardy Cup semifinal action on Saturday. Kickoff is at 5 p.m. at Foot Field. We're the Elksard. You're up to date. All right, and then our affiliates. Got a shout-out to our affiliates, RoyalRetros.com. Jason, have you heard of RoyalRetros.com? I have, but only through watching your show. <laughs> Love it. Well, Love it. Well, they do have a Calgary they have, pretty, they have some pretty sweet jerseys. I went and looked at their site after seeing it on your show. Yeah, see, there you go. There you go. They do have sick jerseys. They do have a CFL collection over there. And you can use code Stampede for 10% off over at www.royalretros.com. We are celebrating the 2023 USFL champions, the Birmingham Stallions. Giddy up. And then thingsengraved.ca is our official merchandise supplier. So head over to Things Engraved for some sweet merchandise. There is always something on sale over at thingsengraved.ca. The link will be in the description. Uh, some sweet Elks Herd merchandise and some sweet Shotgun Sports merchandise. Support the herd. <laughs> and then let's say you want to wash, like let's say you just wore a Calgary Stampeders jersey and you want to you wanna cleanse yourself after. <laughs> you may go over to lather.com, L-A-T-H-R.com. If you use code SHOTGUNSPORTS15, you can get 15% off over at lather.com. Scrub away those dirty thoughts with some good old Canadian soap. They're they're even strong enough to scrub off the elks. Elk <laughs> <laughs> You know what? They are. They're, some of them, the you know, the they're they're pretty rough. <laughs> they, they will exfoliate every bad thought that you've had ever in your life. That's for sure. Is it what's it called? Like Arctic Mist or Alpine Scrub? What Something is it? Like that. It's, I don't it's, know. It hurts. It is very gritty. It has some really good. I believe it has volcanic sand in there. Yeah, it is, that's it's, what it is. It is. It is very gritty. So yeah, uh, lather.com. Okay. Exfoliating. It is. Oh, it is. It is exfoliating. It is exfoliating. You will lose like three layers of skin with that soap. So. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, callus be gone. Okay. Yeah. So for our final segment, this is where we interview our special guest, Jason, in The More You Didn't Know for the copyright infringement. So... If anybody in the herd chat has any questions for Jason, go ahead and throw them in there and we will get them on the show for us. Question number one, Jason, we love hearing about how our, our guests have become sports fans. What is your sports fan story? 
Well, as a very young child, my grandmother instilled the Calgary Flames uh, fandom upon me. Um, she lived in Calgary. I, at the time, lived in Saskatchewan and Regina. Um, I would always go to Calgary uh, in the summer and occasionally at Christmas time. Um, went to a Flames game one time against the Philadelphia Flyers, hoping to see Ron Hextall, but unfortunately he didn't play that game. Um, she bought jerseys, you know, pennants for the, the walls. Uh, so that's where the Calgary Flames fandom came from. Um, and of course it, it grew stronger in the eighties uh, as the team was fairly dominant along with the Oilers. Um, the Stampeders, I don't know. It's funny because I grew up in Regina, so people always find it odd that I'm a Stampeders fan and not a Ryder fan. I did go to a lot of Ryder games, though. My uncle used to always take me to Ryder games at Taylor Field. Um, and, of course, during that time, I would cheer for the Riders. Um, I became a big Stampeders fan during the Doug Flutie days when they, the team started getting really good and winning a lot of games and the odd great cup. And, uh, yeah, it just took off from there. So, but, yeah, always been a hockey fan, always been a CFL fan. Uh, I think it's important for um, kids to go to games, uh, especially the CFL. It's so affordable to go to a CFL game. And yet, for some reason, we're still not getting butts in the seats. So, uh, parents, take your children to CFL games. Yes, I definitely agree. So, that being said, what what is your favorite sporting event that you've attended in person? Favorite sporting event that I've attended as a, in person? I've never been to a Great Cup yet, so I can't say that. I haven't been to a Stanley Cup playoff game, so... Um, we went, <laughs> oddly enough, it, uh, we went to a West final in Calgary. I don't remember the year, but we played against the Riders. It was minus 50 something outside. No. <laughs> Literally. I, I snuck in two bottles of Pepsi. And when I sat in my seat, I took them out of my coat, set them down by my feet. And by halftime, they're almost frozen. <laughs> your favorite (laughs) that's my most memorable that's definitely my most memorable my most memorable my favorite uh my favorite was probably a west final in commonwealth stadium 2000 i want to say 2002 2003 ish um went with my wife we made a big banner to hang from the edge because we sat on the second deck right at the front um was a great game I, I can't remember who won, uh, probably the Stampeders, but <laughs> yeah, I haven't been to too many like really big, pivotal, important games, but uh, a lot of uh, a lot of memories uh, made games like that. Oh, that's sweet. And if it was 03, it would have been us. And if it was 02, it might have been you guys. So, okay. uh, yeah, because I believe we ended up winning the 03 Grey Cup. So, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, no, yeah, that's twenty ten. So. <laughs> yeah, I really don't remember. Other than that, I uh, I worked uh, at the Memorial Cup when it was here in Red Deer a few years ago, and got to watch the final of the Memorial Cup, and that was pretty exciting. So, yes, it was. I was there. I had to go. Mitch Marner, 
Mitch Marner was uh, was yeah. playing with the London Knights there. So I, so I was, was uh, Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, Matthew Kachuk yeah. was on his uh, on his team as well there. So yeah, it was that was a huge Memorial Cup fantastic game. That's probably one of my favorites. Is uh, that that Memorial Cup was absolutely amazing and. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously big, big stakes in there, but it was also cool to see Red Deer hosted, and the arena was great. The people were great. It was a really great environment. Uh, some people overindulged in uh, the alcoholic beverages, but outside of that, uh, it, I, hey, it wasn't it wasn't me. It wasn't me. That's for sure. It wasn't me. Um, so puck and pigskin. You're you're in a new season with puck and uh, puck and pigskin. You have a new season. You got a little bit of new life in here now. Can you please tell us about how P&P was created along with your journey in sports podcasting? Yeah, well, Puck and Pigskin was created during the uh, pandemic when nobody was going anywhere. Nobody was doing anything. Um, I just kind of um decided to start doing it uh then i caught a little traction and uh started getting uh some other people in the flames community involved um unfortunately got one wrong person involved which led to the downfall and the and the kind of pause um but then i decided to pick it back up here a few weeks ago um I, I call it season two, but now I've kind of decided to, instead of calling doing seasons, I'm, I'm just continuing with the episode. So the, I just, just did episode 23 tonight, um, hoping it picks up some steam. And, you know, I'm not doing this to become rich uh, like you guys, but <laughs> I do it I do it because I like it and I like talking sports. Rich in spirit. <laughs> We're rich in spirit and in love for everybody in the CFL. <laughs> No, yeah, no, I'm excited to talk uh, talk sports with some like minded fans and uh, and to have fun. No, and that and that's that's the best part about it. We really like that about your show. Is you know we came on and we we felt a very professional vibe and sense from what you're doing. You run a really great show, uh, and and it's amazing information for your viewers. And once again, right, it's that Canadian aspect like you're talking about, and but essentially really what we're doing up here with the Elks call is very, very similar to what you're doing with puck and pigskin. And especially too, because you're doing Calgary side reporting, right? You're, you're, you're trying to do Calgary non-traditional media and in doing so you're, you're bringing the two Canadian loves of Canadian football and hockey together and delivering it in one show. And like you said, we're, we're not all in here to do this to get rich right we're 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 simply just trying to get more media out there and get more coverage on the cfl and let's all be real we're, we're the cfl is horrible at marketing that is probably one of the worst <laughs> product yeah like you know it's something jason i know that you've seen all of the complaints online about cfl's marketing yeah absolutely they're they it's pretty much zero marketing <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. people people like yourself, right? Getting and and connecting NHL too, and trying to tap those NHL fans, get them back over to the CFL side. Get show some pride in your city again. It doesn't just have to be about hockey. And hockey is obviously massive. The Heritage Classic was a massive event. We talked about it for the half the episode, and 
the, yeah, we get that, but bring it together more. And I, I will say the Heritage Classic is one of those small things that let Edmonton stand back and appreciate the building that they have once again, especially with the Elks being so bad and fans uh, not showing up to Commonwealth anymore and people that maybe haven't been to Commonwealth since COVID dropped. Some of those fans probably showed up to the to the Heritage Classic, got back into Commonwealth. Maybe they're gonna give maybe they're gonna give the Elks a chance again. Yeah, and you know what? There's there's always something to say about fan sided media, especially when it's done right. Right when you're looking at the media, traditional media, radio, television, there's always some level of skepticism, right? Because we are always constantly fed with so many black or white stories for contradictory stories, you know, stories that are lies, stories that match somebody's political stance, somebody that match, uh, you know, stories that match somebody's economical uh, and societal status, right? So there's always a bias with traditional media. With fan-sided media, you are getting passion. You are getting true stories. You are getting the opinions and knowledge from true fans. And that's that's something that is seriously lacking in the CFL. And that is something that people like yourself, Jason, and for ourselves, the reason why we do this is to provide that side to other fans. And I think it's incredibly valuable. Yeah, yeah I, I agree 100%. And, and to do it live is, is another thing as well, because you get the fan interaction, right? You get the people asking questions. You, you get the live chat. Um, that's what I really like about it. And, uh, I'll be honest, my show is not 100% live right now. I've, I've put in some filmed or some recorded content, um, simply because, you know, schedules don't line up or whatever. And booking people is hard when you're just a, a one man show. And, <laughs> and, and I'm starting to get going though, uh, starting to book uh, people and starting to fine tune things and uh, it's hopefully get it polished and uh, get a sponsor or two on board, hopefully. And yeah, keep rolling. That's all we can do. We just got to keep rolling and we have no doubt that you, you will definitely get there. Yeah. So, uh, that being said, where can we find you online? And uh, do you have any sneak peek information that you want to share with our viewers? Uh, you can, uh, you got some weird stuff happening in the background. You got stuff moving. I don't know if it's because Halloween was last night, but you, oh. <laughs> we, we got, we got Luna. Luna that's, is exploring up top. She's yeah, she's... Okay. That, that explains a lot. Okay. Um, yeah, you can find me on pretty much any social media platform. So didn't mean to give you a heart attack there. <laughs> yeah, you can find uh, Puck and Pigskin on uh, pretty much any social media platform now at Puck and Pigskin. That's Puck, P-U-C-K-N, the letter N, Pigskin. Um, and I stream live Wednesday nights at uh, 7 o'clock Mountain Time, 9 o'clock Eastern. Beautiful. No, and then... Your show, once again, your show is on right before ours and quickly going back to how you're building. It's great to see you progressing and seeing you get more guests and picking it back up. And it's great that you didn't give up Puck and Pigskin because, you know, once again, building building that culture and building all of all of these fan-sided media 
outlets, you take a look at the NFL and how they have so many people that do so much coverage on NFL teams and they have fan chapters and the what we're doing with the Elks herd, there's companies that specialize and make a lot of money in merchandise and doing this fan sided content and everything else. And mm-hmm. you know what I know that we we were harping a little bit on three down earlier, but also a massive props and thanks to three down for being a major media outlet for the CFL. And we don't, that they're like the only ones that really are an exclusive. There is, there is a couple, there is a couple 13th man, uh, Frankie, uh, Benvenuti over there. Um, so he's, he's good stuff. There is other people that do this and three downs, probably the biggest, most official. So yes, of course, if they screw up, they're going to obviously take the biggest heat. They're also not fan sided media. We don't pretend to be anything other than fan-sided media. We will try to do some reporting, but um, it's people like yourselves, Jason, and with what we do, we're all just in it for the greater good to get more CFL coverage out there. And the the, the other thing, going to try to leave this on this note, but the American viewership has risen. Mm-hmm. So with American viewership rising... They're, these Americans, and, and of course more Canadian fans as well, but viewership in general is rising. People want to go find the extra stories. They want to go find more information about Calgary Stampeders. They can go to you over at Puck and Pigskin and maybe listen to an interview between you and Nick Lewis or you know you and you and anybody else from the organization or even just you talking to like let's say us about it and we're talking Battle of Alberta next year and they're getting that inf- extra information and getting the fan side it takes on it. So, um, yeah, like hu- huge props to you, Jason, and we think it's amazing. And we will be sharing you up at Puck and the letter N Pigskin on most social media platforms, especially YouTube. Go give him a like, a subscribe, a follow. Go give him some love. And while you're at it, hey, at the Elks Herd, if you see <laughs> us out there, uh, throw uh, throw us one, uh, a couple of those as well. Ladies and and uh, just to give you a little sneak of uh, what's coming up next week and uh, next week, uh, right now I have scheduled Ray and Benny talk sports and they'll be talking about blue bombers and Winnipeg jets. Nice. Ray and Benny friends of the herd. They are good stuff. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. We will definitely be tuning into that one, Jason. We can't wait. Yeah, that'll that will be a great one. Yeah, Blue Bombers right before the playoffs. Yeah, good time. Yeah, right before right before the uh, the West final. Yeah. Oh, I like it. That's so good. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, so we'll be checking that out next Wednesday, seven p.m. Mountain. That's where you're going to be able to find that. It's going to be a great chat, and maybe you guys are going to be talking about a Calgary versus Winnipeg matchup. Oh, I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, once again, I mean, yeah, we don't, we don't know yeah. if we're cheering for you, but, uh, yeah. Will, yeah, will, you are. Yeah, my BOA, or no, ABC. Yeah, your ABC, yeah, your BOAs and your ABCs, yes. <laughs> my BOAs and ABCs. No. My alphabet I, letters. Well, I'll, I'll root for you in this one, and we'll see about the Winnipeg game. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll see if you get there. Um, but that being said, we are all out of time. For today, first off, Jason, thank you so much for joining us today, man. Yeah, anytime, anytime. This this was an absolute blast. We will have to do this again to our viewers, anybody listening, 
on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere where you get your podcast. Thank you for viewing. Anybody listening on Edmonton Sports Talk, Friday nights, 8 p.m., thank you for tuning in. And my name is Scout, a.k.a. The Rep from Section X. And I'm Catherine, a.k.a. Dave and Elks. And that is Jason from Puckin, Puckin Pigskin. <laughs> and we are the Elks Herd. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, everybody. And we hope you have an awesome one. Cheers. Goodbye.